This episode of Astronomy Cast is brought to you by Swinburne Astronomy Online, the world's longest-running online astronomy degree program. Visit astronomy.swin.edu.au for more information. Astronomy Cast, episode 327, Telescope Making, part 1. Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts-based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. My name is Fraser Kane. I'm the publisher of Universe Today, and with me is Dr. Pamela Gay, a professor at Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville, and the director of CosmoQuest. Hey, Pamela, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. This is our, we are recording this episode shortly before Christmas. So by the time you receive this, there will have already been Christmas. As my husband put it this morning, it's Christmas Eve Eve. It's Christmas Eve Eve. It is the, what do you call it? The penultimate after before penultimate? I call it the day that all of the baking occurs. We're making uh, truffles today. So that's the plan. Chocolate truffles. That is far more exciting. Uh, no, they're so easy. Um, they're super easy. So, uh, so hey, thanks to everybody for uh, for joining us over this entire year. We've we've put a lot of effort into kind of keeping the schedule, and I hope you've noticed that. And uh, and I hope you enjoy everything we do for the next uh, for the next seventeen years of Astronomy Cast. <laughs> so consider that our, our our Christmas gift to you. And and I just have to say for those of you in the U.S. who need that final tax deduction, because like me, you already plug things into TurboTax and went oh. Blah. Too much. Um, How can I yeah. write some of this off? Yeah. So it, uh, you can donate to Astronomy Cast through SIUE. It's a 501c3 nonprofit and it is tax deductible where the law allows. Nice. All right, let's get rolling. This episode of Astronomy Cast is brought to you by Eighth Light Inc. Eighth Light is an agile software development company. They craft beautiful applications that are durable and reliable. Eighth Light provides disciplined software leadership on demand and shares its expertise to make your project better. For more information, visit them online at www.8thlight.com. Just remember, that's www.thedigit8thlight.com. Drop them a note. Eighth Light, software is their craft. So why pick up a low-quality, wobbly telescope from the department store when you can craft your own, just like Galileo and all the other great astronomers from history? For a minor investment, you can build a worthy telescope out of spare parts and high-quality kits. So uh, this is going to be a two-part episode, three-part episode, actually. We're going to do the first part today. We're going to talk about toys and kits and kind of the Playing with lenses. Yeah, playing with lenses and building telescopes as an educational experience and just sort of starting to understand how optics work and being able to to get into that. Part two, we're going to talk about the serious business of amateur telescope making, which which is a way for you to really, you know, craft your own lenses and and build the hardware and mirrors. And Don't mirror. make your own lenses. That hurts. <laughs> no, no. Some people do it. And mirrors. Build your own mirrors and and build the hardware and select your mount and and really get into the nuts and bolts of what it takes to actually make a telescope. Um, and then for part three, we're going to talk about building a space telescope, which I think is really Because upsetting. some people do that. I which know. Which is awesome. Which, I mean, there have been a ton of really dramatic changes in the 
uh, in the industry, and they've enabled people to build their own space telescopes. So we're, we're going to get into sort of we're, we're at the cutting edge of this right now, but so we'll we'll do a lot of speculation of what's possible. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. All right, so so let's get started then. So then let's say a person you know wants to build a telescope. And I think to kind of get to, to get like, what is the core parts of a telescope that people need to, to know about? Well, so, so there's a lot of different places to get started. And what I do with my students is I'll actually just, this is lame, but if I'm trying to explain how telescopes work so that they can get the sense of what they want to build, I'll go grab a pair of magnifying glasses, you know, the type that you use to set things on fire in the summer. I sure do. Um, <laughs> oh wait! Uh, you you have the, children. You know how this works. <laughs> and, um, and I had a childhood. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So, go grab yourself a pair of not identical magnifying glasses. So one like little tiny wussy doesn't magnify things very well. Preferably with like a nice big lens and then a nice high power magnifying glass. Um, you can get these at any big box store. They sell them for sewers. They sell, sell them for people who have trouble reading. They sell them in the kids section. Just grab yourself a pair of cheap magnifying glasses. Then go find yourself either a pair of cardboard boxes or a pair of chunks of styrofoam and stabby the magnifying glasses in. And you can now start seeing how the lenses work at different distances. And the quick and easy way to understand the way light passes through a telescope is get a light with like an incandescent bulb where you can see the filament or a fluorescent bulb that has a neat spirally structure or something to it. Point one magnifying glass at that neat light source and let the light go through the lens and project it onto a piece of paper and try moving the piece of paper back and forth until you get a nice crisp image of whatever it is you're looking at. And if there's two of you, you can actually play the game of, so if I pull the lamp further away from the lens, what happens to my image distance? And you can start to see how the equations for building a telescope work. Um, it's really kind of neat. And if you do this with both lenses, you can see not all lenses focus at the same distance. And this is why I like putting them in two boxes. So you can start out with the lenses side by side, looking at a light source and see the differences side by side and move the paper to get it right for both lenses and see the differences. And so really the most basic telescope of all is to just get those two magnifying glasses and and now you're recommending put them into a box so you can so something's holding them, but you can really just hold the two lenses move them back and forth and and start to get it see what that what that does and how right. you, you that changes it's going to change the focus it's going to change the distance it's going to change the you know a bunch of parts of this right and and the neat thing about doing this is is this whole idea of of using the piece of paper to project the image of the lamp you're looking at if you separate the two lenses by the addition of those two distances so like the distance lens one focuses at the distance lens two focuses at add those two numbers together and separate the lenses and then stick your eyeball in and now you have a telescope perfect and so now the first time that you look through this handheld telescope 
you're going to see something kind of surprising, right? Yeah, images don't necessarily um, stand up in the way you'd expect them to. So you're going to find that in the process of bending the light through the lens, um, the image gets flipped upside down, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, and why is that happening? It's, it's literally a matter of the light rays are getting flipped as they pass through the lens. So if, if you look at the lens and you think about it for a minute, no matter where you put your eye, you're going to be able to see that exact same light bulb. So there is a light ray going from the top of the light bulb to your eye. You move your eyeball left, there's a light ray moving from the top of the light bulb to your eye. Well, when the light rays go from the light bulb through the lens, the light bulb, the light bulb light ray that passes through the top of the lens is going to get bent down towards the middle. The light ray that goes through the middle of the lens straight on is going to just keep going nice and neatly straight through the lens. And the process of doing this ends up flipping your image upside down because you're bending the ones that are further away from the center and the ones through the center get to go straight through. Okay, so let's make some modifications to this homemade telescope then. So right now we've bought two identically sized uh, lenses and we're going to get this sort of this flipped version and it's going to work like a rudimentary telescope. But what if we change the sizes of the of the lenses? Are you changing the diameter or yeah, are you changing? Yeah, I'm changing the diameter of the lenses, right? So so this is one of those things that tends to confuse people. The diameter of the lens has nothing to do with anything. It changes how much light you're going to gather. So a bigger lens is scooping up more light, but it doesn't change the magnification at all. What changes the magnification is how curved the surface of that lens is. So when you look at the surface of each lens, some of them appear completely flat because they are. We call that a normal piece of glass. But as you curve that surface more and more, it is going to bend the light more and more and more. And the more you bend the light, uh, that's going to end up magnifying the image even more. When you read focal lengths, on different lenses. For spherical lenses, that's actually the diameter of a circle that has that curvature for for the lens. And so if I have a... Uh, Not diameter, radius. It's radius. the radius. Right, right, it's right. the radius of curvature. Right. And so the... But the shorter the number, the smaller the number, the tighter that, that circle is going to be the shorter the focal length. Right. Because it's it's focusing closer in. Now, do I want the, you know, which one do I want in front? Do I want the one that has more <laughs> tighter you radius? Want, you want the tighter radius one nearer your eyeball. So let's say you go to Amazon, and I found out earlier today you can do this. If you go to Amazon, you can buy all sorts of different lenses designed for playing with optics, designed for science fair projects. And if you buy yourself um, a 200 millimeter lens and a 100 millimeter lens, you want that 200 one up near the front and the 100 one up near your eye. And one neat thing you can do is if you buy lenses that have the same diameter, 
you can take two paper towel tubes and slot one of them and then just roll it ever so slightly so that it fits inside the other one. And you can fix those, if they're the correct size, lenses to the paper towel tubes. And the reason that you want the two of them is, as you learn, if you try shifting where your lamp is compared to the lens, objects that are closer to you focus at a very different place than objects that are far away. And so as we move those lenses back and forth, we're getting the focal point in a different spot. As we bring them, I'm trying, trying to remember which way it goes. If we keep them farther apart, you're going to get some things in focus. You can bring it closer apart. Different things will be in focus. And so there is no right distance. An, an object at infinity is going to focus at the focus length of the lens. So if I have a four millimeter lens and it's manufactured correctly, my eyeballs like the universe, when I use it to try and focus on something infinitely far away, it's going to focus four millimeters away from that lens. That is really cool. Now, as things come in from infinity, I get to move my eyeball back. And, and literally, like a telescope, is that is it, right? I mean, for, for, a, for a lens-based telescope, I mean, there's all kinds of other stuff around it, but it's all just helping out these two lenses. Now, what if we add another lens? Well, it depends on what type of telescope you have. So in some cases, you have to have another lens to try and correct for different flaws. Lens-based telescopes, and I think we did an entire episode on this ages back, lens-based telescopes, lenses by their nature, focus different colors of light at slightly different distances. So when you look at the moon through lenses, you end up seeing a slightly red edge and a slightly blue edge as it focuses the light. It's more noticeable with stars than with the moon. To correct for that focusing different colors at different distances, we start adding all sorts of different lenses in. There's other problems where sometimes the center of the lens is in perfect focus, but the outer edges of the lens aren't just because of how the lens is made or more to the point, what happens a lot is light that's coming in from the edge of the field of view is slightly out of focus. So the center of your field of view, perfectly in focus. Outskirts of your point of view, uh, now elongated. And all of these different effects are all different types of stigmatisms, just like your eye can get stigmatisms. And we correct for them in different ways. And one of those ways is just to add lens after lens after lens until that sucker has a perfect image. Right, and if each lens is very expensive to craft and grind and, and make, and then to to double or triple or quadruple, like you can see where the price of these high-end telescopes just goes up and up and up because there's just more and more of these lenses trying to really clean up the light as it comes in. But, but one of the really awesome examples that allows you to see how all of these different lenses can work together is the Galileo scope. And this is a telescope you get to build for yourself. When you order one of these in Oceanshot, Oceanside Photo and Telescope, optcorp.com, who do not give us money, but nope. we simply like them a lot. They make these telescope, they don't make, they resell these telescopes. They're fairly low cost and they are both a kit for learning optics and a really nifty telescope that you can mount on just an everyday camera tripod. And the lens in the front, the big light collecting lens, it's just a single lens. But the eyepieces are made of multiple different lenses, 
pocketed together in different ways to correct for all of those different possible stigmatisms um, and to remagnify the field in different ways. And what's neat about how they built these telescopes is they come with a couple of different eyepieces. And one of the eyepiece configurations makes the telescope work just like Galileo's telescope. And you realize Galileo like did miraculous things because his lens was really terrible. And when you look through it. I never it, used we never used that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you look through it, you can barely see. You have to get your eye in just the right place. And it's horrible. Um, and so when when you're done, you have both a version of Galileo's telescope and then modern designs for lenses that allow you to take this this small device and turn it into a powerful observing tool that allows you to make out the rings on Saturn and craters on the moon. And it's just a nice plastic telescope that literally if you drop it down the stairs, it might bounce apart. But it works kind of great. But like, what does a Galileo scope cost? Um, it depends on where you order it. A lot of times they're under 50 bucks. Yeah. And it is it is definitely the most affordable, high quality telescope that you can get your hands on. I mean, this was designed by an international team of astronomers who really know their stuff who focused on like let's make the best possible telescope for the cheapest possible price so so if you're looking to to get your hands on a on a telescope and to learn about optics and make you know make a telescope we can't recommend the galileo scope highly enough and you know we end up with tons of them we give them away for for at various conventions and stuff because because you know we're always trying to get that telescope into people's hands and and I think my favorite moment with one of these was several years ago at uh, the Northeast Astronomical Forum, NEF, Al Nagler of Teleview Telescopes, who makes perhaps the best eyepieces that are publicly available. These, these are eyepieces that cost as much as some telescopes cost and are worth every penny. It's like you're falling into space. <laughs> he he has uh, an eye for optics where he can look through things and really see the difference between different optical characteristics. And Rick Feinberg took over a Galileo scope for him to look through and pop one of his Teleview eyepieces on. And Al had the initial look of, yes, I'll do this. I'm amused. And then had the look of, oh, oh, wow. Oh, okay. And and there's a quote on the Galileoscope website of, of Al's actual words. But watching his reaction, it was one of those startled surprise of that's far better than I anticipated. Like when a small child brings you cake and it looks okay, but you're not you haven't set your expectations too high and you taste in, taste it and it's like grandma's cake. Um, that was the reaction. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, you're looking at craters on the moon. You're looking at the rings of Saturn. You're seeing Jupiter's moons. You're seeing the bands across the planet Jupiter. You're seeing the Mars, the disk of Mars. Maybe the if it's close and bright, you're able to see the polar caps. You're if seeing the seasons, the, right? Yeah, if you're seeing the crescent of venus 
you're seeing some of the brighter um, deep sky objects. Globular and, clusters look yeah. awesome through it. Yeah, Andromeda, Galaxy, uh, the Orion Nebula. I mean, there's a ton of stuff. And so so let's say, but, you know, let's say you don't want to go the, the Galileo scope route, although we highly recommend it. What are some other kinds of kits that people can get their hands on? The, the other place to go look is Edmund Scientific. Their selection is constantly changing as different manufacturers change what they have. But Edmund Scientific is the place to go for tough, hard-to-kill educational supplies for all sciences. Astronomy, biology, I remember at one point when I was a kid for reasons that at the time were interesting, my parents ordered me a dead frog to dissect from Edmund Scientific. Um so, thoughtful. so you can, yeah, yeah, you can get any educational science stuff from there. And they always have all the other stuff. But really, the Galileo scope is so much better than everything else out there that's, it, it, there, there's other kits based out of Japan, a different version of the Galileo scope. Um, but it, it isn't as rugged. Um, the Galileo scope was actually designed so you can repeatedly take it apart and put it back together. And all the others that I've encountered are designed, you put them together and you just sort of hope and wish the cardboard doesn't get bent. Galileo scope, I've seen kids use it to like mock sword fight and it survives. <laughs> Occasionally you have to put it back together, find where the lenses went to. Um, but it, survives that's, now that's now we've key. talked about the galileo scope we've talked about this mode which is this lens based version of of telescope so but there is a whole other class of telescopes which are the newtonians right uh created by our good friend isaac newton so let's go back to the basics again how and this is tougher but how can we sort of make a newtonian telescope cosmetic mirror so here, you, you actually want to, to play with it, play it off axis. So go get yourself a cosmetic mirror, one of the ones that completely magnifies. So if you want to count your eyelashes, you can. I don't know why you would, but you could. No, but like a shaving mirror. I understand. Yeah, yeah. shaving mirror, cosmetic mirror. Grab one of those. And first neat thing you can do with it is when you're close, you're right side up. And as you back away, there's this moment where suddenly you become upside down. The point between right side up and upside down is the focal length for that telescope. So what you want to figure out how to do is how to take that light and bend it so that you don't have your face in there, so that you can actually focus something from right. a distance. It's strange. Everything I look at with my telescope looks like my face upside down. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. So so to go back to our styrofoam example, what you want to do here is, is put your cosmetic mirror, most of them come on a stand, and then go find yourself a little tiny flat mirror. A lot of wallets come with these, and you can just steal them out of the wallet. And glue it on to a pair of shish kebab sticks. Mm, or so you could jab it into your styrofoam as well. Jab okay. it into your styrofoam. And now what you want to do, and use the smallest mirror you can find, is take a nice big object in the distance, focus the light on to first the cosmetic mirror, then bounce it off 
of that flat mirror and tilt the flat mirror ever so slightly so you can put a piece of paper off to the side. And what's interesting with this is, like I said, there's this moment where things flip from right side up to upside down. This is because the images aren't quite the same here and you will need a lens in order to start focusing things. Right. And that was my question, right? With the with the original telescope, with the, the refractor, you need the two lenses together. But in this case, you're going to need the mirror and then another lens and that and that in between mirror. So really, it's three parts. Mm-hmm. It could really do with two parts, but everything you're going to see is just your magnified face. So go with three parts. Yes. Cosmetic mirror. A uh, mirror to bounce the light, and then a lens to focus it. And and if you and get everything nicely lined for up, for educational purposes, cosmetic mirrors do not have good surfaces. They were not designed for astronomy. They were des- designed for allowing men to shave and women to put on makeup. Different priorities. Yeah, it's not going to be really, really high quality. But but you should get that same thing, which is that things far away, whatever that big mirror is pointed at, is gonna look bigger. Mm-hmm. And with this one, you actually have the ability, instead of focusing it on paper, to look into that mirror and see what happens and stick your eye in there and measure the distance from your eye to the mirror to the mirror to get the focal length. And another cool thing you can do is if for whatever reason, you have a nice perfectly round container or at least perfectly round on the sides um, fill it with water and you can use that to focus the light onto your eye. So this is another case of you're looking through something and you get to see the magnification and you can actually start to combine different round objects filled with water and lenses to build other optical systems. Whoa. So hold on. So I can build, so like take like a, a jug, like a big beaker, a fish, whatever. Tank. a fish tank. Yeah. Something, but something spherical, like something like a cylindrical, fill it with water. Uh, ac- Three dimension, not cylindrical, actually spherical. Like a spherical S- ball. Okay. Yeah. Right. And then there's set- flasks like this. Chemists have them. Right. Okay. And then set those up and those will act like lenses. Yeah. And I could just put one over here, one over there, look through and, and see the magnification. Wow, that's amazing. So now, now, what are what are could we do with this these setups that isn't maybe a traditional telescope? Like, could we go into a, uh, you know, to magnify? We build a mag, you know, microscope. Yeah, this is the type of system that you can turn around and you you can build microscopes. And you know, my favorite random act of science is hard to do, but amazingly fun is you can buy fluids that have itty-bitty little teeny tiny particles in them, fluids that have little latex balls. And you can set up microscopes so that you can look at the little micro, the little uh, latex balls in the microscope. You can build what are called optical tweezers by shining laser light through one of these lenses and taking the the beams of light that were previously parallel in that laser. And so you want to pull the laser back to a distance so the, the light is fairly spread out when it hits the lens. It'll focus it down to a point and you can actually grab little tiny latex balls with radiation pressure. Wow. So it takes 
powerful green laser. Do yeah. not look at the green laser. Use absolute care with green lasers. Green lasers are dangerous. But you can focus it through a really good lens. The the lower the number of millimeters, the better. And um, grab things. So, you know, you recommended earlier Amazon.com. And that, that also sounds like a great place. Like if you're not, like I think if you're trying to build a telescope that you want to use after you've done it and you want to understand the fundamentals and you want to build a telescope that's tough and rugged and it's going to work well galileo scope but if you want yes. to just build a Play. toolkit of crazy optic stuff amazon.com has has great they've just you know they've got like crazy industrial chemicals and you know all that kind of stuff it's but you terrifying can terrifying what all they have i know it's amazing but and because there's so much stuff that they resell and stuff but the gist is like go there and just you can pick up lenses of different focal lengths and different you know and, and a lot of it is very inexpensive it's it's made for other purposes one last thing uh, a source of lenses that uh someone mentioned to me uh, uh dave dickinson was a photocopier's Oh, yeah. Yeah. They have, you can dig out, if you've got like an old dead photocopier, if you can get your hands on one, they have lenses inside of them that you can use and they, you can use those to build telescopes with. And, and one final, since we brought up lasers and CDs, well, you brought up photocopiers and my brain went to DVD player. If you take a old CD, like the AOL ones that we used to all get in the mail or some CD that's scratched so it doesn't really work anymore, a CD you don't care about the fate of. And a laser, you can reflect the laser off of the CD and create a diffraction pattern on the wall. So you can see all the different spiky separations. And if you do some math um, and, and you think really hard, and this is one of those things I need to write up to put on our website, um, you can actually calculate how much data can be stored on a CD by measuring the separations in the grooves, which you can calculate from the size of the diffraction spikes. Cool. Can so, you make a telescope out of a CD? I don't think you can. No. no. You can make a spec- spectroscope sort of, kind of-ish. All right. Well, now I'm going to pull the trigger. It's time to wrap this episode up. <laughs> so next next week, we will continue this conversation, but we're going to get serious. We're going to get... We're going to build like we're going to walk you through building a legit telescope that you can actually use for observing in astrophotography. Um, and yeah, and it's a it's an amazing hobby. Start with the lenses and the styrofoam and the toothpicks. Yeah. And yeah, you, you do not just, just you do not save any money building your own telescope. <laughs> no. That is that is clear. So. All right. Well, thanks again, Pamela. And we'll talk to you next Thank week. You. OK, <laughs> bye bye. Thanks for listening to Astronomy Cast, a nonprofit resource provided by Astrosphere New Media Association, Fraser Kane and Dr. Pamela Gay. You can find show notes and transcripts for every episode at astronomycast.com. You can email us at infoastronomycast.com. Tweet us at astronomycast. Like us on Facebook or circle us on Google+. We record our show live on Google+ every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern or 2000 Greenwich Mean Time. If you missed the live event, you can always catch up over at CosmoQuest.org. If you enjoy Astronomy Cast, why not give us a donation? It helps us pay for bandwidth, transcripts, and show notes. Just click the donate link on the website. All donations are tax deductible for U.S. residents. 
You can support the show for free, too. Write a review or recommend us to your friends. Every little bit helps. Click support the show on our website to see some suggestions. To subscribe to the show, point your podcatching software at astronomycast.com slash podcast.xml or subscribe directly from iTunes. Our music is provided by Travis Searle and the show is edited by Preston Gibson.